Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for GWBC Radio's Open for Business. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of GWBC Open for Business, and this is going to be a good one. Today, we have with us Kitty Watson with the Intellect. Welcome, Kitty. Thank you so much, Lee. It's great to be back. Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about Intellect. How are you serving folks? Well, Intellect is an organizational and leadership executive development consulting firm, and we say we grow the leader in everyone. And now, of course, just like the rest of the world, we've had to rethink what we're doing. And so we're serving our clients and working with executives remotely. Now, um, are, are the hypothesis that there's a leader in everyone still standing despite this major chaos and crisis? Have you still I, found that to be true? We, we definitely have found that to be true. And as you might be aware, we have had a partial virtual business for a number of years and based on one of our employees wanting to move and asking us if they could work with us remotely, we ended up leaving brick and mortar and becoming a virtual organization. And what we're seeing is that leaders are stepping up in many different ways. Some have had to learn new skills and we're helping them with that remotely. Sometimes we're helping organizations think through what they're doing with some of the social issues that are happening. So we're seeing leaders step up in very different ways. And some struggled at the beginning, and we're beginning to see them emerge stronger than ever before. Now, when the pandemic hit, and uh, maybe some people thought, oh, this will just be a few days, and you know, next week we'll get back to it. Uh, how did your team kind of uh, kind of plan for this and say, okay, this could be a few weeks, but it could be longer. How are we going to deal with our clients? Like what was your kind of crisis team or how'd you attack that when it was right in the midst of it? You know, it's, it's interesting because we work with other organizations to look at crisis and issues management. And as an entrepreneur, we are, I am um, an optimist. And so initially looked at things as hopefully being a short term rather than long term. Even so, we immediately had to look first at just how to protect our staff and our team and our consultants as much as possible. So I had to look at the financial implications. And of course, take advantage of some of the things that were being offered to us and thinking about what we could do differently. And so what we did is we were already doing many things, especially executive coaching, a blended model of virtual and face to face and could easily move to the virtual platform. What we hadn't done as much of that we're doing now is so much more with workshops and strategy sessions and working with teams remotely. And that has been different. And we're because we were already in that space, we were actually able to help leaders think about how to engage teams and how to work with them differently now that they're working from home. It's funny to me, Lee, is that Often organizations say they want their employees to bring their whole selves to work, but they didn't know what that was until the pandemic. 
Right. And now they're bringing their work to their whole selves. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. I mean, so there are the distractions, of course, there are families that are helping their children with education. There are pets. There are there's so many things that are happening that people had to adjust to. And we're a resilient society. And I think as a whole resilient people. But that's a really good thing that we're seeing now is we're helping organizations and individuals assess their own resilience. And are you seeing, because I'm seeing this, but uh, tell me if you're seeing this as well, this kind of a level of grace that maybe didn't exist before. Like if you were working at home, maybe you were trying to fake it and you're like, I'm at the office. And, you know, now a kid walks by a Zoom call or, you know, a dog barks and everybody laughs it off or wants to see pictures of the dog or cat. Um, Are you seeing kind of that kind of generosity and grace a little bit because we're all in this together? We definitely have seen that um, part of ourselves emerge where, you know, with technology, even I I think people were much more impatient um, with technology prior to COVID. um, And now they understand that there may be several people in a home trying to use the same Internet. And so there may be disruptions. And so we have alternatives. You know, sometimes we're on a Zoom call seeing each other and then at the same time on the phone because we want to have that backup. The other thing, though, that that I'm seeing and I do see grace and, you know, we work to create um, an organization and a workplace that is respectful and inclusive in everything that they do. But through this long period of time, what I'm seeing is that many people also are becoming very brittle. And so um, and what I mean by that, not even realizing the stress or toll it's taking when leaders are not doing as good a job of taking care of themselves, finding a way to exercise, for example, or meditate or pray or um, just taking some time to center themselves. Because what we're finding, especially initially, is people were working longer hours. Um, You know, maybe it was because of anxiety of what was going to happen next, but not taking as good care of themselves. Now, when you're working with a client, are they coming to you in the same manner they were pre-pandemic or is it, are you getting a lot of work from existing clients that just are doubling down and go, look, we need some help here and, you know, all hands on deck. So we have a trusted advisor in Kitty's team. So let's kind of lean into that or are people saying, you know what, there's a hole in my swing here. I think we need some experts uh, kind of helping us guide us through this. Well, I would see both and, you know, I'm very thankful for the loyalty and support and confidence that our clients, long term clients, our first client is still a client today. And so we do form long term relationships because we become so committed to the people in the organization with which they work. There are some new clients because of a new practice area that we've developed. And because my heart really was impacted so much by George Floyd's killing and some of the other things. We actually started with a a webinar on bridge builders for social justice. How can we create a world that is more inclusive, respectful, and to build some of those bridges. And so because of that, we've seen other opportunities where people are reaching out, curious about what we can do 
to help within their organizations to build more equity, inclusion, and a greater sense of what diversity truly means. So now let's kind of help our listeners. Is there any low-hanging fruit that they can be doing um, to kind of get that uh, dream, make that dream come true in, in, in terms yeah. of diversity and inclusion? I, you know, one of the things that we found, Lee, through our research, and, you know, we see this out in um, other places as well, is that many leaders have been very uncomfortable to have those conversations about race or difference. And so rather than saying something or having a real dialogue, some have allowed their organizations to do it externally or have the CEO have a broad town hall meeting. And in actuality, individuals want to be touched one by one. And so what we've been doing is helping organizations build capacity in their leaders to have those um, uncomfortable conversations, to listen with empathy, and we call it radical empathy, to listen non-defensively, to have the courage to reach out to people. I think that was one of the things that hit me the most when I started reaching out to my friends and colleagues and clients of color, that so many reached back and had long stories to tell and wanted to get on the phone. And one in particular affected me when this one woman said, not one white person in my organization has reached out to me. That struck a chord with me and wanted to figure out since our vision for intellect is to better the world by growing leaders and building creative, high integrity workplaces. We've actually built a whole new practice area around bridge building for social justice. That is for all people to create those organizations that are respectful, inclusive, and that allow us to bring our true best selves to work. Now, when that uh, woman uh, said that no white person has come up to them, you know that some white people wanted to come up to her and probably just didn't have the tools or didn't know what to say or didn't, you know, want to, you know, say the wrong thing. So what are some ways that um, the dialogue can begin? Is there things that people can do to just have that conversation in in a way that feels safe for both sides? I think there are so many, Lee. Um, and I think the first, though, I would say is if, if there's discomfort, it's really going inside to find that courage to act, you know, to do something. It might be writing a note if that if that's more comfortable for a person just to say, I'm thinking about you. I'm imagining that this is a, a difficult time. What I really stress for people, though, is to remain curious, to get to know what another person's story is. Right now, we're doing more on storytelling, but to try to not, but it's really story listening, to listen to other people's story. To be, be Once we do that, there's a different kind of relationship that's built. And yet often we're in a world that has learned to be advocates, to talk, to share our own story, rather than to be those that are listening, asking questions, curious and wanting to know more about another person. So there are so many tools that we can use. But part of it is we have to practice doing something uncomfortable to get into more of a a new habit of reaching out to people 
And there are going to be situations that come up, not just about race. There's going to be some situations that come up about other topics. And we have seen that, whether it's politics that we're still kind of in the midst of or how persons' religious beliefs. How can we be more curious and interested and where another person's coming from is a first step and then creates the kind of environment where people will speak up, have a voice. And we find that it leads to greater collaboration, greater innovation and more productivity. And I would think that this is an area where it's for if you hadn't done this before, it, it may be better to have an expert like you and your team come and facilitate this uh, because it takes some of the politics and the history out of it. And it looks like it's a clean slate and it's a kind of an unbiased uh, facilitator rather than, oh, that's Bob. I, you know, I remember five years ago, Bob said that crazy thing. So he doesn't really mean that. So mm-hmm. like it takes some of that that away from it where you're coming in kind of neutral and there to help and listen. And uh, I, I think it would be more well-received coming from, you know, kind of a stranger or, or kind of this unaffiliated person from the organization, as opposed to somebody like, oh, that's the executive just checking a box. Mm-hmm. Well, Lee, I, I, I do believe that there are um, initially that that discomfort, there is a need for, you know, people want to reach out to have some help and support. But one of the principles of intellect is that we build internal capacity. We really don't want the organization to be dependent on us. We want to build and believe that people develop and learn. So what we're doing now is working with organizations to help the leaders be able to do that and to recover if there's been a mistake five years ago, because there are long memories and organizations about things that were hurtful or some incidents that um, occurred. And so part of it is that we want people to learn to tell new stories about and and for a leader even to have the humility to say there was so much I didn't know about what you as an individual have been going through. I'm learning and I need your help to continue to learn. And so what we're seeing is, is that we're finding ways for organizations to build that capacity for dialogue, whether it's teaching a leader you know, more about how to facilitate the types of questions to ask, how to listen non-defensively. But and also, what are some of the other things that can be done creatively to allow people to talk them amongst themselves? So, for example, a number of our clients have started book clubs about with different books that might get people to think differently. And it is important to have someone that can monitor, watch, notice when someone feels uncomfortable and to really talk that through or any conflict when someone, because of their own hurt, we're, we're finding that so many people, you know, we talk about PTSD in certain situations and, and we've talked about that with the military, all of us have it. And particularly people of color that have had some of the, you know, what some people call microaggressions, others call assault. 
And so as those happen over and over again, people can begin to, they, they can react in a way that's even surprising to them. So we have to have people well-trained internally to handle those situations because it can be um, ones that you just need a, a different kinds of sensitivity. And so I appreciate your understanding that, Lee. Yeah, I think that the uh, overall arching goal, uh, I would hope, would be to make the organization kind of be able to do it on their own. But I think at the beginning, there has to be a bridge um, Mm -hmm. because it's hard to just create that level of trust and and safety and comfort and empathy with uh, people who have, you know, there's a saying there's, uh, you know, what is it? One film, two screens. People are looking at the same exact movie, but getting two different kind of understandings of what reality is or what's happening on the screen. And I think a lot of this is um, the framing of it. And at first you need some sort of a kind of a neutral trusted authority to help kind of at least open the floor in a safe, comfortable way. And I, I agree 100% with that and also believe that um, we don't want leaders to be dependent on us for that because we also know from research that leaders think that people feel more trust and safety with them than they actually do. Um, actually, some of the research shows that as individuals rise in an organization, that they have less empathy they, because they forget where they've come from. And so part of our role is to help leaders see that and to see what their own blind spots might be so that they can do that on their own eventually. But agree with you that initially we're finding that organizations need some help to within, you know, human resources even to deal with some of these topics or when they're groups of people, it may be easier for someone one-on-one than in a group, or especially when we're working remotely, we're thinking about handling these dialogues on, you know, um, a social media platform like Zoom or WebEx or Teams. And so there are different skill sets that are needed. And so what we find is that we need to partner with someone on our team or someone internally to manage that process when there's a larger group of people involved. Yeah. And um, I mean, we're all learning and the people who are going to probably reach out to you have at least some self-awareness that there is a need to discuss this or else they wouldn't be reaching out to you. So they're almost there intellectually (laughs) and emotionally. So or if they weren't thinking that way, they wouldn't even care to call you. Right. And, you know, we you know, the thing is that we really are wanting to help organizations see is that it's not a check the box, a one-time event that there's a, a, we need to create the kind of culture that there's ongoing dialogue. And that's why so many programs and initiatives that were started in inclusion and diversity or used to be diversity and inclusion. And now it's, the name is changing some, and now there's equity within there too, is that it is a process It's a culture change in many aspects. And to have one course that a person goes to is not going to be enough. And we also know from our own research and others that if people just hear what they need to do without practicing it, then when the time comes for them to say something, to speak up for someone, they don't do it 
unless they practiced it ahead of time. So what we're trying to do is to give leaders and individuals and teams opportunities to practice listening to and engaging each other in respectful ways. Right. And if there was ever a case for the importance of a strong culture, it's in a a situation like this where we are remote and we're not around each other physically and we're not kind of having those serendipitous moments together and the learning opportunities where I can just, you know, uh, look over your shoulder, you can look over mine. Those, those are kind of not available anymore. So we need a strong culture and culture is one of those things. It's going to happen with or without you, uh, (laughs) kind of trying to shape it. So you might as well be intentional. And that's the, yes, definitely. And, you know, the cultures that people have right now, you know, sometimes we're not really aware of all the subcultures within the culture and how do we bring people into that organization in a very different way. And this is such a great opportunity. It's, you know, to create the, to do the right thing because we want to create that culture and for organizations, it's also profitable to do. And so at the same time, you know, if you think about the cost to businesses with discrimination cases in the U.S. in 2019, there were over 70,000 EEOC discrimination cases, many of them around race. And it's an estimate at over $359 billion. So if you think about that cost, that's one thing. But what we're really looking at is that if we can create the kind of place that people want to work, bring their best selves and are really committed to the mission and goals of that organization, then you're going to have the organization that's more profitable, that is going to give back, that is going to make a difference. And so that's where we're really focusing some of our energy with this new practice area. Now, if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, they could reach out to me individually at Kitty, and it's K-I-T-T-I-E-W at intellectinc.com. And that to spell it, it may be a little difficult or challenging. It's I-N-N-O-L-E-C-T. INC.com. And of course, on our website, um, which is intellectinc.com, they can find a lot of information. There are a number of free resources and um, some toolkits and templates that leaders can use to help them with their journey of creating the kind of organizations that they really want, where people do feel valued, included, and respected. Now, before we wrap, I'd like to just a little plug for GWBC. Why was it important for you to be a member there and uh, and make that organization a part of your organization's kind of DNA and culture? Well, I appreciate GWBC for a number of reasons. I was on the board for a number of years, and um, I believe in it's it's another type of organization that's working to be more inclusive. And in this case, it's of women business owners and giving us an opportunity to 
um, bid on projects that maybe we wouldn't have had otherwise through introductions that we're making within corporate arena. In addition, we're getting to support each other as women-owned businesses and learn from each other. Um, GWBC, through the certification, allows us to um, have resources and learning and to gain that really I guess it's a seal of approval that we truly are a women-owned business and that we are working to um, create an opportunity for lots of people in the world. And we partner with so many different people um, through GWBC, with corporations, with government agencies, and there's an opportunity for us to learn from each other and with each other. And that's been a value to me. Now, any advice for the woman-owned business out there that hasn't uh, got certified or joined GWBC? What is kind of a a business case for kind of uh, immersing yourself into that organization? As part of what I just said, I think, is that we learn from each other and, you know, family members have a hard time understanding um, a, a business owner of any kind until they've lived it. It's that similar empathy. And so if you be, work within the GWBC, you're going to be meeting with others that are have have the same kinds of challenges with P&Ls and hiring and and developing the ideas that you want, especially within this environment. In addition to that, um, someone that's not certified, it will give you an opportunity not to get a contract necessarily, but it will open doors to learn about opportunities that are there and then give you the opportunity to compete with other organizations to grow your business. So this is a way, again, I really see it about learning and change and collaboration. There are ways for us to gain new insights. And we have a new book that just is coming out that it's called um, um, it's ignite your imagination 21 days to learn and that's what I think we get from GWBC and just we bank in general is a way to learn and grow and thrive with each other right and 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 it's like you said this is a safe environment where you can um, share your fears and your successes and everybody's rooting for you it's very collaborative. And um, and it's amazing the knowledge you get from people in totally different industries that you Mm. can bring into your own. Uh, The learning is so diverse and it's so powerful because it's right from the horse's mouth. It's right from the people that are living it. It's not a hypothetical or theoretical. This is real information from the people that are the boots on the ground doing the work. And I would say, you know, some of my closest friends have come from this, too, and we help each other. I mean, even in this during the pandemic, uh, uh, another women owned business introduced me to another women owned business and we partnered on a contract for a government agency and we're working that one right now. And so I wouldn't have known about that if it hadn't been for this other person and the relationship that we've built through the years. Now, what do you need right now? How can we help you? Do you need more uh, team members? Do you need more clients? What, what do you need? <laughs> um, I, I, I think what, I mean, we, we are always open to um, new consultants that work with us that see differently with our, within our business model. And with clients, we are, we obviously 
want to work with organizations that are like minded, that um, are wanting to make a difference. I think the main thing that we all need right now is just patience <laughs> to to come back to where we thought we were headed and the changes that we have. But I appreciate the opportunity just to be on this show with you, Lee. And we're, we do have so many resources on our website that um, people could use and even our products and assessments and tools that would encourage people to just look there to find something that might help them as they continue to navigate into 2021 in just a month from today. That's right. Well, Kitty, thank you so much for sharing your story. We really appreciate you and the important work that you're doing. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on GWBC Open for Business.